It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I think our team's ready to, to turn a page and take a giant step. Uh, but it, you, we got to get some momentum. We got to get some wins, get some energy, have everybody start believing it and knowing we can get it done. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Do you do a targeting call on Saturday? I'm going to have to sit out the first half of the podcast, but uh, see you guys later for the mailbag. Uh, all right, I'm with Boomer. I'm just over here a little concerned, Dave. I see uh, Lane Kiffin got a $25,000 fine. I'm just kind of a little concerned for us. If you know you get that big of a fine for criticizing officiating and making fun of SEC, uh, we'd be in a lot of trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, on the Redcast, we, we'd be in the red really quick. Uh, also with Mac... What's up, Redcasters? It's been almost a year since we've been able to talk about a game, so if you've tuned in to listen to us complain about this last week's game, you'll hear a little bit of that, but not much. <laughs> Football's back, and we've got a lot of positives this week. Well, guys, uh, I don't know if I've ever been more torn uh, after a 52-17 to loss to anyone, but uh, there's a lot of positives, as Mac mentioned. You have to be pleased with certain things you saw, offensive line play, defensive line play, but then also some mystifying boneheaded plays come to um, really uh, rear their head and ultimately uh, a loss of the hands of the Buckeyes. Uh, Honky, initial thoughts? It's definitely not two scores are all the same, right? We've lost 52 to 17 to much worse teams and done it in a much different way than this one was. We actually reached a lot of the the goals that I and keys that I set forth last week. I said we need to run for five yards of carry and we got six. Uh, we need to hold them to four and a half or less, and we hold them to four and a half for rushing yards per play. Special teams, I said we just need to be neutral with them. We pretty much were. I don't think we lost the special teams game. Turnovers and penalties, that's the one that really bit us. We needed to be neutral or ahead. Ultimately, that's the thing that really tipped the game, I think, in their favor. Yeah, it's not like we lost to Purdue, you know? Yeah. So we lost to uh, – who did lose to Purdue this week? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the Huskers showed up in a lot of ways this week. I mean, I've watched Ohio State games where it was going to be very difficult to find positives. And this week, it, it wasn't that hard. I, I see a lot of promise. I see a lot of growth. I see a lot of change in this team. And I also saw a really good team on the other side of the ball. I mean, make no mistake – Justin Fields is for real. If he's not one of the top five picks, um, I'll eat Honky's hat. Well, you you also <laughs> saw the 13th straight double-digit win uh, over a Big Ten team by Ohio State. So they're used to doing this. Mm-hmm. And we made this a game for a good long while. And I think as we'll get into talking here, there's just some moments, lapses. It's, it's one drive here. If we can just figure out how to shore up a couple of details – that game can be different. I'm not saying we would have won it, but the game would be different. And the game would have continued longer and longer into the fourth quarter, which is what we really talked about most last week is how can we make this a fourth quarter game? You know, Boomer, um, outside of Nebraska, Ohio State, the rest of the Big Ten was in play. And Big Ten West had some interesting outcomes. Uh, 
Mac alluded to the Hawkeyes of Iowa, our neighbors to the east, losing to Purdue in a nail-biter. They were in the lead for most of that game. Uh, Minnesota, on the other hand, didn't really come to play um, that well and, and went down to Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines in big fashion. Um, and then, uh, you know, Wisconsin looked good on Friday night. Graham Mertz debut as the Wisconsin quarterback had a great uh, start. And we'll, we'll see if he's playing on Saturday or not. Uh, thoughts on the Big Ten? Well, it was just nice to see the Big Ten back and just having a whole slate of games from basically 11 a.m. until late at night that I actually cared to watch. You know, and I wasn't just watching to watch. But, uh, you know, in Iowa's defense, when you're playing a, a team that's missing their head coach and their star athlete, how can you game plan for that? You can't possibly hope to come out of that with a win. So it's okay, Iowa. That, that'll happen. And then, you know, some of the other games you watch, you know, Minnesota, that just showed a lot of things. The importance of just special teams. I think they had... It seemed like all their kickers were out. I don't know if they just didn't show up or what happened. Yeah, a lot of injuries, but they were so limited on what they could do with kickoffs and punts, and they just couldn't, basically. So that you just saw how much that flipped that game. And Michigan's offense actually was clicking at a good pace there, so that'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up the rest of the year. And, you know, other fun games to watch was that Penn State-Indiana game. Great game. Yeah, we talked about it on the BetCast, how that's one of those questionable games. Normally people say, ooh, Penn State, but, well, Indiana was close for a reason, and we see why, and that's another great example of just situational awareness in football. Just fun in general, enjoying the Big Ten. So I, I like seeing it back. Yeah, you know, hockey game management might be a, a factor when we do play Penn State in a few weeks. And James Franklin um, needed to be in the ear of his players to make sure they didn't run that ball into the end zone and give Indiana a shot. And uh, lo and behold, it comes back to, to bite them. Yeah, I, I think when coaches talk about the little things, and, and sometimes that gets – misconstrued as not being important or, or they're minor. No, these are all very important details, but it literally can come down to the minute things of a, of a right tackle missing a call from a sideline, a running back not knowing to just fall to the ground and let that last second go off. There's a lot of things that play into mistakes that teams make, especially in the first weeks. But I think the big things, at the end of the day, the thing that makes me really feel good moving forward into these last seven games is Two things. One of them, I don't think we're going to see a team like we just saw the rest of the year. And the other thing is, we now look like and we hit like a Big Ten team. And I think that took, for the most part, about two years to get to. I'm fairly convinced that that's fixed. I guess Wisconsin could prove me wrong and they could come out and just pummel us, but I just don't see that happening. And now it is really about getting into those situational things and the the details that we're going to talk about. And now, Scoring Explosion. The offensive breakdown. We move the ball pretty well, but we, we need to capitalize on those things. And uh, the two Wisconsin games have been the same way. We move the ball well, uh, but they've done a good job getting stout when they needed to, and we've made some mistakes that we couldn't. Uh, when you're playing a good team, you can't make those mistakes. And I think as painful a lesson it was, it was a good lesson for our, our young kids Saturday. You can't just be pretty good. you you got to be really good and you got to execute really well and if we clean up some of the mistakes it's going to give us a better chance all right let's uh, take a close look at the offensive side of the ball for the Cornhuskers and you know Mac the first half was a kind of a tale of two teams right we had two drives that we looked really good opening drive four plays 75 yards explosive play by Luke McCaffrey a um, little bit later in the first half, we have an 11-play drive where we do a lot of different fun things where we just move down 
the field against the Buckeyes and look really sharp. And then there's a couple of drives in between there where uh, we stop ourselves, it feels like. Um, what were your initial thoughts about the Nebraska offense? I mean, it would be hard to ask for more on an opening drive. I mean, it was like all our prayers were answered. Like immediately the tight end gets a ball down the middle of the field. You see Adrian being explosive in the running game. You see the offensive line coming off the ball, super physical, no bad snaps. And we go down and just score. And it was, and it was beautiful. And then you just get those little, what is it? Twangs of reminders of, Oh gosh, you know, sometimes. You know, you get a little swim move and a, and a guy comes in unblocked and sacks the quarterback. And, you know, we have a couple fumbles by our quarterbacks. And it's just enough of both to, like, make you a little uneasy about how mm. to feel about this offense. But at the same time, the physicality's there. Yeah. You know, you have, you have a starting redshirt freshman at tackle who held his own. He completely held his own and was very physical. You saw Cam Jurgen came out to play that. And, you know, there was a nice mix, too, at, like, left guard with Piper. Bo Wilson. Hickson got some time at center. You know, I saw little Farniak in it at center as well. Uh, for the most part, I thought we played really well. I thought we ran it pretty well against a good team. A little inconsistencies there, too. A couple pass protections where we just flat out whiffed. One where kids misread the signal and we left a tight end alone on one of their defensive ends in protection because uh, kids saw the wrong play come from the sideline. But overall, uh, I was pleased, and I think it's something we can build on. You know, we're seeing some rotation down at the offensive line. By the way, I didn't even mention Hymas. When you don't mention a tackle, that's because he was almost flawless. And I, I feel like that was a – he's playing at a pretty high level right now. Jurgens is going to be a future All-Big Ten center. There's no doubt yeah. in my mind. Yeah, Jurgens talk about the improvement that we were hoping to see. I mean, that guy was getting into the second layer – he was getting five yards down the field and, and pancaking linebackers on plays. And, t- and I mean, that guy, ton of aggression. At the same token, we still had some snaps, not terrible, but there were some high ones there. So again, it's something to continue to just some of those keep were getting better. But, or Could, Hickson, I'm sorry. Sure. But yeah. Sure. Point is, we can't afford any of that, right? We can't afford the fumbled snaps no. under center either. 100%. It's not just a shotgun nope. thing, it's under center. But that first drive, to your point, was a great drive. It was a touchdown drive. And a trivia question I guess I have for Boomer and Dave is that last year Nebraska only had one opening touchdown drive against a Big Ten opponent. Do you know who it was? Uh, I'm going to go Maryland. Boomer? Well, Maryland would have been my guess. It was against Indiana, and who was the quarterback? Noah Vedral? Vedral. Hmm. Vedral led Nebraska's only first possession drive for a touchdown against a Big Ten opponent last year, and it was the Indiana game. So, Honky, obviously you're talking about the offensive line there, and something that was pretty revealing to me was performance there was everything we wanted, right? Yet it still didn't really always produce uh, consistent drives. And I think one thing that you'll probably want to talk about is how we utilize our running backs, right? We have a lot of QB runs in, in this game, but Dedrick Mills, I think, had nine or ten carries. We did see Ronald Hopkins, which was great, but again, we just didn't get those running backs Quite as many carries as you would have liked. That would be my biggest frustration out of the whole game. You know, I referenced a lot last week, the 2018 game. And in it, I referenced how we ran Martinez 20 times and how we ran Azigbo, who was our bell cow by that time of the season. We ran him 20 times. They each had 20 runs. And I said last week, that's the formula I'd like to personally see. I would have loved to have seen Martinez get 20 runs in this game. He was averaging six and a half yards per run. In between the tackles, I mentioned in between the tackles time and again, we can run in between tackles on these guys, and we could. 
And, yeah, and that's, when you're doing it, we did do that. So well, but we didn't do it enough. And you, I, I think you have to force. You have to do it until they force you not to do it anymore. And then you can hit them outside with something else. And what was so funny was I was listening to one of the Fox guys after it. I don't even know who the guy was. But he's like, they have to be able to hit deep passes when these safeties were coming up and they were seven yards off the line of scrimmage. And I was like, cool, option. Option that every time. You can come right into the box. Get five yards away from the line of scrimmage if you want to. You can option all around that too. So not to say that we can't throw deep too. We we do need to have deep threats. We do need to be able to get the ball downfield. I'm not saying that's not important, but it's not the only way to get around some of that too. But the main thing is if we're making them have to come up to seven yards, that means that we're just starting to get them to say we have got to do something. We can't stop them with our normal defense right in the middle. Uh-huh. We're having to do other things. And I would keep pounding that until it absolutely goes away, and then you take it off the other way. I mean, we did some option on them, and that worked too. We ran two or three, and, I mean, they're seven-yard plays. I'll tell you what. I think we're seeing the beginnings, though, of some of that old Nebraska offensive line play coming back. Yep. I think this is going to be – a strength of our offense mm-hmm. is the O-line, which we had predicted. So it's kind of nice when you're seeing the things we kind of talked about and we were hoping to see. Some of the things we didn't see Mill so much, but but the running back play is going to be aided by really good offensive line play. So it's just a matter of are we going to choose to hand it off very much. When Ronald got in there, he did very well. Both quarterbacks ran very well. Mills, it was sort of a confusing amount of carries, but but I feel like Luke kind of skews all of that because we were almost overly focusing on getting him involved in the offense. For that matter, I mean, like Wandell, I know he was our leading receiver, but it just seemed like we couldn't get him loose. There's a lot of opportunity for this offense to be mm-hmm. more explosive. And I know everyone's wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And I and I agree, we need to get more production out of those guys. But even without that, the tight ends were involved. Both quarterbacks were running so well. I mean, I would take this version of Adrian Martinez for the rest of the year. I, I absolutely would. The biggest difference between this game and the one two years ago was just the total number of players. I mean, we ran it 49 times and had 33 passes two years ago. And I love that percentage. I love that ratio. This year we had 36 runs and 20 passes. We went from 82 total plays to 56. That's a lot of lot less plays, and there's a number of reasons for it. Some of it's getting off the field on defense that we'll talk about later and getting the ball back into the offense's hands more. And then we did just have one or two kind of almost what I would call wasted drives, and uh, we just can't afford to have that against a team like Ohio State. You know, Boomer, uh, to that point uh... – a few of those drives, we had penalties set us back, right? A couple holding calls, false start, uh, delay a game. Um, and that, that had a big impact on some of those drives, especially in the first half. There. Yeah, and again, that's just one of the things hockey's talked about. You don't even want to call them details because they are just you know key facets of the game. I mean, penalties stop drives. They kill momentum. They take you from you know manageable distances and make it tougher on yourselves. You know Those things are the things you can't do against programs like Ohio State and expect to win. Some of them, you know, you're going to happen, you know, when you get, especially those judgment ones, like targeting type things. Some of that's out of your control. If people are going to, the refs are going to call that targeting, conspiracy or not, whatever you want to call it. But others, some are very manageable. You've got to, you know, be alert what you're doing in terms of, you know, holding. You certainly can't have a delay a game. Yeah, you certainly can't have a delay a game on a first down coming off of a kick. That's happened a couple times, I think, in the last few years, and I, I don't understand how that can ever happen. That's the kind of stuff you got to clean up. That's that situational awareness like we were talking about with Penn State. Everybody's got to be ready. You know you're coming out. You've got to have that play ready to go. The personnel should be there. There shouldn't be anything to delay. Those things have to be cleaned up. 
Honky, let's dive into that a little bit more because I think this is a, a big turning point in the game, right? Uh, you texted us uh, when that, that drive started saying this is a key to the rest of the game was that we needed to uh, keep the ball out of Ohio State's hands with about three minutes to go, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't happen. You know, Walk us through that and your thoughts. You know, I keep saying that, you know, we need to get to the fourth quarter. It needs to be a 60-minute game. But if you really think about it, situational football is breaking it down into much smaller chunks, whether it's four quarters or 12 five-minute segments or however you want to choose to do it. It's breaking it down into smaller chunks. And I kind of think of a game as in five-minute chunks. That usually is, oh, about one possession for each team, roughly speaking. And you look at the first 25 minutes of that game, the first five five-minute segments, And we're just about five for five at either playing them even or better. And it's three minutes left in the half. They kick the ball to us and we're down 17 to 14. And I text you guys and the guys I'm with, I'm telling them, I'm like, it is a win right now. It's a victory to not let them touch the ball the rest of the half. If Ohio State doesn't doesn't touch the ball the rest of the half, then we just limited them to four possessions in the entire half. They scored a touchdown, touchdown, punted, and and had a field goal. They'd had 17 points. We'd have been down 17 to 14. That's a victory. If you can kick a field goal or you can score a touchdown, you know, that's just gravy on top of that. If we went in to the half with a lead or a tie, that's even better. But the one thing you could not do is get the ball back to them, give them a chance to score. Now you're up double digits at halftime. Oh, and we're kicking you the ball for a second half. There's a situational element to that. I can go back a year ago to the team that we're going to be playing this week, Wisconsin. It was the exact same thing. There were six minutes left in the second quarter. We're down 17 to 14. They just scored a touchdown. They kick it to us. We're down 17 to 14. We're averaging eight yards a rush from our leading runner. And what do we do? We throw an interception and they score a touchdown. And then we get the ball back. We ran it for 14 yards. And then we threw three incompletions, kicked it away. And they scored a field goal before you go into half. And all of a sudden, you're down double digits in a game where you're running for eight yards a carry. And you feel like you're right toe-to-toe with them. I don't know. I can't call it minor details, but it's just it's these moments where it's like three or four minutes of a game. Take a game that is nose-to-nose, and all of a sudden you're double digits, and you don't get it back. I think you're right. I think it's a a combination of situational football and then truly having a winning culture. Mm -hmm. You know, because Ohio State was playing some new guys too, right? And they were breaking in some new guys. And we can all say they were more talented than us, and, you know, rivals would back that up. But when you're when you're part of a program that expects to win these games, mm-hmm. those kind of things go your way. And we just, you know, as a team need to get over that hump. Because if we were of a winning mentality right now, and I'm not saying that's not something we couldn't get to this season, but right now we're still young in that way. But if you believe in in the program like we expect to win this game, mm-hmm. then you don't kind of, you don't have those kind of shoot yourself in the foot plays. And and I see us being so close to that. Yes. Just so close. I'm like that's why a win this coming week is so important. Like we have to put those demons to rest. Yep. And and I mean it's as simple as that. I'm not saying you could take away all the mistakes, you could give you could take away the targeting, you could take away the delay a game, all that stuff. We still probably lose that game. Correct. But what a difference that would make in the in the bottom line or that ticker going across when everybody's watching college football and they see yeah. the score, you know, Nebraska versus Ohio is 38 to 24 or something closer to that. Or, you know, we could have been so much closer and it's not out of the realm of possibility. Well, and Dave, that's what we talked about right before we started recording was it's amazing how quickly that game on the scoreboard kind of got away from us, especially in the fourth quarter at the very end. If you can make this a four quarter game, the longer you can do that, 
that's the longer you have meaningful snaps happening where there's a different kind of feeling a player has on the field when you legitimately think you have a chance to win this. It's a seven-point game with 18 minutes left. Every down means something. And not that it didn't in this case, but, you know, by the time that Martinez had his fumble, you know, we were already down 17 points by then. We're driving. We're going to try to make it a 10-point game. But I I wonder at times, you know, is he pressing a little bit because he's down by 17? Dave, you talk about yards per point, the Phil Still metric. And, you know, you think about that fumble for a touchdown. Ohio State picked up zero yards and got seven points. And explain, like, what? how did this game work out with that? Yeah, if you do the do the numbers on you, think about that. We had 377 yards of offense, I believe, and 17 points. And so that's 20 yards to get one point. Um, not very efficient at all. Horrible, in fact. You look at Ohio State, they had 498 yards of offense and 52 points to Hockey's point. They had seven points there without any yards gained, right? So they're scoring a point for every 10 yards of offense. So, I mean, if you do the math there, Boomer, it's a crazy number, but we would have had to have a, a 1,000 yards of offense, essentially, to, to match Ohio State's efficiency. Um, that's not how you win games. And it kind of comes back to that that culture thing again, you know, Fields played a flawless game, right? Almost, almost perfectly. But I don't think he ever felt the need to press. Like if he didn't mm-hmm. see an open play, yep. he'd either tuck in and run it or maybe even take the sack. When Adrian had that fumble, we're down 17. He's pressing. He's yep. trying to make that play. Like when you're under that pressure, things are different. And Ohio State's a very good program and has, has been for quite a while. And, and, the expectation of loss doesn't really factor in their playing. Adrian has been trying to get over this hump against this team, against his past seasons. And I truly think we get a, if we get a win over Wisconsin this week, which I'm predicting, uh, but if we get a win <laughs> over Wisconsin this week, man, the brakes are off. I feel like this team is going to cut loose. But until that happens, until we have one of those wins, until we have that moment, until Adrian feels like not the need to press, but but just to play within the system, within the team, within the culture, that, that's the moment we're all waiting for, right, as Husker fans. That's the year three that we're hoping to get to. Hey, Mac, expound on that just a little bit more, right? I think that's a really important thought in the sense of the pressing that Adrian sometimes feels like he's doing there, or, or anybody. You could even say Luke or, or any of the offensive players. It You know, the defense... And we're going to get to that here in a little bit, but sometimes it feels like like Fields was thrown against air, right? I mean, we weren't going to stop Ohio State that often, even though we did get a few stops in that first half. And so it feels like the offense almost has to be perfect um, in response because they may, might be thinking, I mean, Ohio State's going to score on this next drive. I got to score this drive, right? Um, even when it's 7-7, seven, seven, you're, you're already feeling like you're pressing because you've got to execute at an extremely high level every single time play almost and so what is it right I mean do you feel like it's it's um, the offense pressing too much or is they just simply need to execute at a higher level and we hear it all the time from this team is you know desire to excel and no fear of failure when you're pressing then you're pushing and there's doubt about your ability and Ohio State will bring that out of a lot of teams okay compound that with Adrian also feeling like I've got this redshirt freshman quarterback who's been pushing me who that everybody says they want to see I know he was pushing to play really hard and have a really good game and for the most part Adrian did but you have to balance that with playing within the offense and sometimes taking what the defense gives you and living to, to play another down uh, but those are those are learning moments, and and that's kind of the, that's kind of going to be the crux of this year, right? Do we learn? Do we stop pressing? Do we start like? Ohio, and Wisconsin is going to be 
a perfect test of that. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. There really is no reason to come out and press against Wisconsin this year. We are. We're not outmatched physically. We're not outmatched from even rivals wouldn't say so. And we're well within our scheme and we're well within our development portion of this program to, to not worry about that. So this will be a key game. I mean, it's a huge game. It's a humongous game for this next week. So we've touched on a lot here. A lot of the positives, offensive line play, quarterback runs, utilizing the tight end. We haven't talked about wide receivers yet. And it's, it's like they're almost kind of absent from not only the game plan, but also just from the offense in, in general. Honky, I, I know you don't care that much about the wide receivers. It's not your favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> we can do do so many other things, like run an option when they bring safeties into the box. But, I mean, you do have to, from the Sprost offense that you know, you also know that we need playmakers everywhere uh, in in the the offense, and it doesn't seem like right now, at least against Ohio State, we had playmakers out there. Um, do you feel like that might change as the season goes on? Well, I, I hope it changes. I mean, it's an important position. I, I you know I like seeing us run the ball, but wide receivers have to play a big role in that too. You know, Wandell's blocking fifty yards downfield on the long McCaffrey run is one example of that. But look, you know, the other thing is we all off season we talked about a bunch of receivers that can change the look and feel of that receiving core. And almost to a man, none of them were playing. I didn't see, you know, there's no Omar Manning out there. Xavier Betts, you know, if it's all about rival star systems and stuff, well, that guy was as four star as they come and 6'2", 6'3", kind of receiver, a different, bigger-bodied guy, you know, the speed guy of Fleming, the Alante Browns, and really a lot of those guys um, certainly didn't play a lot of meaningful snaps early. I, Levi Falk, the the uh, transfer from South Dakota, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, he was out there early, and obviously, uh, you know, Cade Warner was starting, and then you have Wandell. We're going to need to get more guys involved than just that. We are going to need to be able to take the top off of some teams at some mm-hmm. point. And last but not least, and I, it's a bit of a broken record for this, but to give credit to where credit is due, Ohio State has scholarship players too, and they they did a pretty good job against us, right? Frost made an interesting comment today in the presser about saying that the wide receiver group is as good as it's been, or better, actually, yeah. than it, in this entire time here. We're better at receiver right now than, than we have been since I've been here. You know, we came in, Stanley Morgan was a really good player for us, and, and we've missed him ever since he's left. we got to keep bringing these n- newcomers along at that position. I want to see us as like everybody else want to see us push the ball downfield more, take more shots. We got to get guys downfield faster and and more open and back people up a little bit. It'll make it easier on our run game and and give us a chance to have some explosive plays. But we have the guys that are capable of doing that, and uh, we got to make sure as coaches we get that done. That doesn't necessarily jive with what we saw Saturday. So he's probably sandbagging. We're probably holding stuff back against Ohio <laughs> State, right? Doesn't make any doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You know, in some ways that could be true, right? It's like, well, why would we play all our cards when well, this isn't going to be a very good game? If for I us? told you guys, if I told you a week ago that we're going to complete eighty percent of our passes, good, and we're going to run for more than six yards a carry, good. I mean, <laughs> since two thousand four, we are thirty-two and eight when rushing for at least six yards You're per like carry. Our chances, in a game. we've lost only eight games out of forty, but four of those eight losses have come under Frost. It's it's a kind of a, again another anomaly of one of those stats, right? But the things you wanted to see, you, a high completion percentage. No interceptions. A, no interceptions. And then a good chunk of yards and yards per play, but not points per yard. You know, Back to your point there, uh, Dave. Mac, talking about the scholarship wide receivers, and we have a bunch of freshmen here that we hope we can bring along. But we, we've missed on some other 
uh, recruits in that position, and several of them have left the program. But when you see walk-ons or transfers from South Dakota start for us, essentially, and they're out there, and a big part of being a wide receiver in Nebraska, and honestly, even the NFL on Sundays, I was watching Seattle last night, and they had a a game-winning reception get called back because of a holding call on a wide receiver trying to make a block downfield, right? Honky just referenced Wondell Robinson, who has NFL thoughts and dreams, making a great block downfield for Luke McCaffrey. You got to be able to block as a wide receiver in Nebraska. You got to block as a wide receiver in the NFL. But it feels like that we can't seem to get our scholarship guys on the field sometimes because they're not doing the little things like blocking on run plays or just everything else that you need to be to be a wide receiver. Uh, are we recruiting the wrong type of guy at, or are we just had bad luck? W- what's your thoughts on that? That's the saying, right, for the wide receiver group is no, no block, no rock, right? We have a saying, no block, no rock. So we want all our guys to, to block for us and, and that earn their right to be out there by what they do in the run game. And, and that will give them chances to catch catch some passes. You know, maybe maybe he's trying to prove a point with these young guys saying, hey, if you don't block, then you are not going to get to play, and and you will have walk on starting over. And Kate Warner's, I, and I'm not trying to demean any of those guys. I'm not saying that, but the the reason we're recruiting these scholarship guys is because they are high level, you know, outside talent. But if you're not going to be a contributing factor to the running game, you're a liability because the offense doesn't work if the wide receivers can't block. It is really kind of befuddling how you know you hear a little bit about Alante Brown in the in the in the preseason but you don't really see him till late in the game you know Omar Manning is just a, a huge question mark so I don't even know what to say about him it was good to see Wandell out there so we do have some of all those guys contributing you know another guy was kind of MIA a little bit for this game and I don't know I haven't heard any reason why but Chris Hickman I just didn't yeah. see much of and when you're talking about a tall guy who was a physical he was tight in in high school so he should be a really good blocker he just wasn't there and I know these these guys don't don't talk about injuries or anything like that so that could be a contributing factor too Dave but it's it's absolutely something that needs to be addressed I'm not talking about guys taking off the top but I mean like if we can't get our scholarship guys on the field because they can't block then there's there's a development issue there a developmental issue there that needs to get fixed real quick, or we're just going to kind of stay where we are. This offense has a chance to be explosive, and we talked about the tight ends. We focused on those guys. But to truly to be elite, we need those wide receivers to come out and play. You know, Xavier Betts was suited up. I don't, I don't know that he got a snap. I don't know if he, he got on the field at all. And we're going to need those guys to contribute to go forward. It's time to throw the bones. Wisconsin's run game is completely different. There's going to be a lot of two backs, multiple tight ends. The fits are tougher, so we got to make sure we're in the right gaps for, for those kind of plays and, and not bite too hard on the play actions that they run off them. So it, it's a different challenge, and hopefully we can get ourselves ready for it. All right, all right. Good to hear those uh, bumps. I love uh, throwing the bones, scoring explosion. We haven't actually talked football in forever, so I, I enjoy to hear those. Uh, we are on the defensive side of the ball now. Of all the position groups rewatching this game, I, I think I might have been most impressed with our D-line play. I mean, it feels like these guys could be better than, than last year by a large margin. The depth, um, the explosiveness. I, I saw a play, Ty Robinson in the fourth quarter slants and, and 
cuts right through uh, two offensive linemen and makes a, a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. He was just too fast for the the O lineman, which Joe Clatt of Fox says during the broadcast that this is, might be the best offensive line in the country, right? And Ty Robinson just splits two of them and makes a great tackle. I mean, I saw some stuff there that I have to get you pretty excited for the rest of the season. Yeah, and it w- and it was one of the bigger question marks on the defense going into the season and a humongous test out of the gate. Robinson was great. Casey Rogers, I thought, played out amazing. Of Saw a ton of Keen Green out there. Daniels, they held up just fine. Going into Wisconsin, I have no concerns about our defensive line being able to hold up. And the depth already looks better than as expected. The way they're rotating guys through, I feel like we're going to be able to stay fresh. We're going to stay physical. If anything I could take away from the Ohio State game is in the trenches on both sides of the ball. We are Big Ten ready, finally. I'm like, I feel like that's something we can put in a rearview mirror, and now it's time to focus on details and start making some plays, huh? Yeah, that PFF.com, whatever that one is that did the uh, had Martinez being the second-worst quarterback in the country, they rated the Ohio State offense last week. They gave him the highest grade in the country of any O-line. And, look, this is no disrespect to Ohio State's O-line. I think it is a great O-line. But I thought our D-line did just fine against them. I mean, we, to give up 4.5 yards a carry, which was exactly the number I threw What was our last ranking? Year. What was our O-line was, ranking? I mean, because we averaged more yards rushing than their O-line. Yeah, they only showed the top five, and we weren't one of them. That's interesting. Um, we didn't allow any more sacks than their O-line. Yeah, well, we? they, that was the thing. We got three sacks on them. We had other pressures on them. Does so the O-line score touchdowns for Ohio State? Un- unless, <laughs> unless you get credit for you know completing what? 20 of 21 passes. You but know. If, but if that's the case, Wisconsin's O-line should I'm be... I'm starting to think that ain't worth much. <laughs> I'm telling you. What? What are they talking about? Look, and again, that's no disrespect to Ohio State's offensive line. They're they're great. But I think our D-line held its own. And with a lot of young guys there. And I'm going to include outside linebackers as we're talking about D-line because they really intermix with each other. So much so that there are plays where we have Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner in a three-point stance, hand in the turf, D-end, rush end, and got some pressure. Caleb Tanner got a sack off of that at the end of the game. I, I was pretty pleased with it Saturday. We were still missing a couple pieces. Uh, we got to get healthy here. But thought we held up in the run game pretty well. Thought we tackled better than we did last year. Um, thought we held the held our, our position to the point of attack better up front uh, against a really good team. You know, I, I think everybody knows what kind of team Ohio State had last year and this year, and I, I think we did a better job of that. There was not a lot of yards in between the tackles, and that's what really excites me for this weekend. If we come out this weekend and, and we're giving up 7, 8, 10 yards to carry up the gut, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. So that pro football focus, that fascinates me because I, I'm, I'm trying to understand how they're so high. Is it because of holding calls? Or is it, does that factor <laughs> into it? No. Because honestly. Well, they don't hold. Well, they can hold because they're playing Nebraska. <laughs> That's impossible. We all know that. But um, honestly, we average more yards rushing, which would be more of an offensive line indicator. We didn't allow any more sacks, which is another offensive line indicator. Sure. So what are they talking about? Uh, I, that's great. I'm happy for Ohio State. They must get credit for points scored. But, well, I feel pretty good about our offensive line right now. We're moving back from the D-line. So let's look at the linebackers. Honky, you mentioned Caleb Tanner, uh, who had a sack there. Had a lot of linebackers in and out. Thoughts on linebacker play in general? There's a lot of new faces out there. You know, we had Fildarius Payne out there to go along with 
Garrett Nelson. I mean, he's a repeat guy. But then yeah, Nick yeah. Heinrich started playing, you know, get, getting out there for the first time. JoJo Doman had tackle, I think, in the backfield on one of those third and ones, you know, early in the game. So we were getting some pressure at times from the outside. We were getting some good rush there. But then at the inside linebacker spot, what we saw out of Hannes and what we saw out of Miller. And Hannes, he had two sacks in the game. You know, he was my dark horse coming into the season to be all Big Ten. Their run fits in the middle of the field. I mean, they were they were solid the entire game with what was going on in between the tackles. When they would get outside on a scramble, there were times where, you know, I think you saw <laughs> we looked a little slow at times once we, once we got into some of the open space. But the toughness, the physicality, we made some short yardage stops on them that uh, I was really impressed just with the physicality of, of those inside backers. Quite a few of their yards came on scrambles, which um, we got to do a better job seeing that and rallying to it. But they're, they're really good at running uh, outside zone, mid zone at Ohio State. Thought we held our, our gaps pretty well and played those plays really well, really well. You know, Boomer, to Hockey's point there, uh, we'll have a different offense this week against Wisconsin, right? I think that Colin Miller and Will Honus probably are better suited to play Wisconsin than they were Ohio State, right? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, you hope anyway, because ideally that's what we've been queuing this defense up for, you know, for the last few years, knowing you've got to beat Wisconsin to go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the personnel are getting in place for that, so ideally they should be. Have to beat Wisconsin and, and Iowa first, right, Mac? To Hockey's point, I remember a couple plays where field scrambles, that t- the touchdown he got, I think where Colin Miller has an angle on him. He just can't keep up to Fields. And I think Fields is a, an extraordinary athlete. So I'm mean, hopefully Graham Mertz or whoever is playing Wisconsin next week doesn't you know make Colin Miller look so slow, right? Well, I don't know of any other maybe top five picks quarterbacks that we're going to face this year going forward. Listen, you got to give Fields his due. The kid's really, really good, and he is really focused on, on his – craft right now he was one of the vocal leaders about playing college football i got nothing bad to say about him and he exposed us as only a player of his caliber could do but for the most part we would have kept contained on any kind of normal type quarterback we did a good job of (laughs) we would have done a good job of keeping the pocket a couple times we had dudes draped on him he even put his knee down but apparently you can still (laughs) run for it for another six yards it doesn't matter that's the thing he played a good game by his standards he did we got it was his best career start it said and like (laughs) that that doesn't even sound because it's against us but i mean he he played really well he'll continue to play yeah we got three sacks on him and that one you're talking about where he carried about four dudes can be an Not issue on our end. Not small guys either. But yeah, that could be an issue on our end. But hey, we easily could have had four or five sacks on the guy. There were guys. He's a vegan now. <laughs> vegan power, bro. <laughs> Wait. And when he'd throw to a guy, I mean, yeah, some of those receivers were open. And that's a whole issue as we get to the secondary talk. But he hit them all. He was on target almost every single pass. I mean, on you target just in stride. give him so much credit. That's, uh, you know, I'm rooting for the kid. Yeah, his accuracy was extraordinary. But let, let's talk about that secondary a little bit. And especially, I feel like, the first couple of drives at Ohio State, we gave those Ohio State whiteouts, Mac, a lot of space and a lot of respect. And, hey, Chris Olave, very good. Uh, Wilson, I believe, another probably NFL cal- uh, caliber wide receiver there. Um, but they had a lot of room to operate. And Fields made every right throw. He found the open receiver. And, you know, we tightened that down a little bit as the game went on, but it was frustrating to watch that play out where Justin Fields goes 20 of 21, and we didn't really didn't seem to have an answer 
Um, did you see anything um, X's and O's wise, schematic wise, that you're concerned about? Was it a game plan thing? It was just Ohio State's athleticism. Thoughts? Some of it was concept based. You know, some of those rub routes over the middle where we looked like we were way off the guy, but then when they showed the replay, they were crossing over, and it just creates a little bit of a conflict with the defensive backs. Sometimes it's almost like a PlayStation glitch where the guy's floating out of bounds and yet somehow got a foot in bounds. That was an amazing play that made by an amazing athlete. Great catch. But I guarantee you some of those guys are really sore today because our defensive backs, when given the opportunity, lit them up. And that encourages me going forward. But it all, it, you know, it, the defense is always, you know, as a unit, it plays. The better the pressure, the better the coverage, right? And there was just some times where Fields had too much time to throw. And when he, you know, an accurate ball beats really good coverage, and that's what we were dealing with all day. He never threw behind a receiver. He only let him in stride. It was just going to be – it was a tough call uh, uh, for the defensive backs this week, but I love their physicality. Um, I thought they all looked athletic, and boy, I hope our young guys are ready to play in the first half against Wisconsin because they're going to get a shot. You know, Honky, Fields was so good at times, the vo- velocity on his ball – we can tip the ball to line of scrimmage. They still catch it, right? Uh, another example, Ohio State receiver slips down and falls on his butt and fields is so accurate, he still catches the ball. There's a lot of instances there where other quarterbacks don't make it look so easy, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, that tip pass that you're talking about, that's on a fourth down, right? I mean, early in the game, you know, I do think that we got to stress Ohio State, the fact that they had to go for it on fourth down a couple of times. The challenge there is you got to get off the field. We said it a week ago that it's not all about turnovers. We did get a turnover here, but it's not all about turnovers to get the ball back to the offense. Sometimes you just got to get off the field. And we had some third and longs, and we had some fourth downs. And I'm going to just give the credit here to Ohio State. They earned it. They got it. But that's an area we have to get off the field. The targeting calls that they had. I'm not really happy with with either of them. I'm less happy with one of them. But at the end of the day, what it does lead you to is you have two less guys that are going to be playing in that first half this week. And so that's something that, to Max's point, next guy has to be up. Yeah, it's, it's it's too bad we lost Braxton Clark already this year. Yeah. You know, that just I think we're deep at that position athletically with potential. You know, experience is, is becoming a bit of an issue at this point. But, I mean, the, it was encouraging to see us play as many young guys as we did against Ohio State. We had a bunch of guys that, that played a lot for maybe the first time on Saturday. Uh, expect we'll have some more this week out of that 19 class and out of the 20 class. And um, when those guys are up and ready to go and – ready to contribute, we're going to be a better football team. The effort to get, you know, that 2019 class out of the field, you're already seeing that, that recruiting class. It's going to be all hands on deck for the rest of the year. So we're going to – Deontay Williams is going to keep getting targeting calls. I guarantee it. This isn't his last one. <laughs> just, so so much just count on He plays it. four total games. I'll be he impressed. might be able to redshirt by the time the season's over. The, the, the one question I do have – from an X's and O's standpoint, for the most part, predominantly we're a man defense. But, I mean, do you see in a game like that, would you do something different? Would you try to play more zone with some of those crossing routes like that? Or if you're just having so much trouble man-to-man against a guy like Alave, what are some of the options other than just throwing your hands up in the air? What can you do to try to not give up five yards of just cushions? Fields made some amazing plays, and he made some amazing passes. And he also made some very – Ordinary plays to just wide open guys too. That's a real issue. Uh, Mertz had a lot of that last week against Illinois, and he completed those. 
We certainly can't have guys five yards off. No. That happened early, and I don't feel like that continued to happen. Some of those were contested, and a really good ball can make a corner or a safety not look so good. You know, a couple times when it's contested, you know, DiCaprio goes up and upends a guy, and he breaks up a touchdown pass, you know. And that's that's one of their all-class wide receivers. Those guys, (laughs) I'm like, he got taken out of the game. And, you know, I'm all for player safety. I'm not trying to say that. But this is a rough sport, and these things are going to happen. And I'd I'd prefer our guys to be the more physical end of that. I mean, I've seen us be the other end of that. Sure. Where we're chasing over, and we're getting blown over, and no one's feeling sorry for us. So if we're blowing up some Ohio State boys and and next week with Wisconsin guys – uh, you're not going to hear me whining. Well, at the end of the day, Ohio State, they converted 66% of the third and fourth downs. They converted 100% of the fourth downs. I mean, Dave, the defense just has to find ways. When they, they've worked so hard in first and second down, they just got to find a way to finish it up and get it off the field. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I mean, it, you mentioned this before we started recording. Is like, I just got to see a second game, right? And I think with the secondary, I got to see a second game because yep. I just don't know how good Justin Fields is. To Mac's point, I mean, I watched – Tons of football on Saturday and then in the NFL on Sunday. And I'm watching games with really great quarterbacks that are having to throw into coverages and, and making some poor decisions or questionable throws. And Fields never did one of those things. And right, some of that's probably on us. But I mean, maybe he was really good at actually looking off coverages and, and doing NFL type stuff because I think Justin Fields is probably playing the NFL next year. And I don't know if that's Graham Mertz or. You know, anybody else in the Big Ten West, to be honest with you, is at that level, right? So we're going to find out if we can um, be more competitive against the rest of the of Big Ten because I think Justin Fields might be in a, a league of his own, really. You've got mail. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. What's in the bag? A shark or something? All right, we're cracking open that mailbag, guys. Uh, Honky, what do we have? All right, well, the first question, it goes to Boomer, and I think you have a fan here. Why to Katie? Uh, she specifically targeted you here. Uh, no, no play oh, on the word oh, targeted, actually. Oh. <laughs> Boomer's sitting out for the first half of next week's Uh-oh. podcast. But uh, she said, for special teams coordinator Boomer, how do you think the Huskers performed in this very important phase of the game? Week one, you just have to say it was adequate, and really that's what you needed to see from special teams this year compared that's to last year. an improvement over last year, right? Yeah, Boomer? it was a dumpster fire last year. I mean, the kickoffs were about average. Big 10, I think we were seventh in kickoffs. We had one touchback. They didn't break any huge returns. Uh, punting was good. Didn't cost us anything. And we could kick a field goal. Hurrah, hurrah. So we know we can do that if we need Woo-hoo! to. What did we average? About 56 yards on kickoffs. Just for comparison, like I would mentioned earlier, how Minnesota, basically all their kickers were gone. They averaged 36.8 yards on kickoffs. Really? Yes, and they, their average punting distance was 35 yards. That's even worse. So if you watch that game and why they went for that crazy fake punt way down on their own end of the... That's why. they just Their special teams were a disaster. You see what happens. Fleck needs to row the boat and get a kicker. Yeah. Penn State went uh, 0 for 3 on field goals. Do you think they would have liked one of those? Yep. Again, yeah. our special teams, they were perfectly adequate. We can show we can kick field goals, and we're not afraid to punt and kick at this point. I'll call that a win. Yeah, and Boomer, I thought they did a good job of flipping the field at times. That punt yeah. got them down, what, down to the five-yard line? I mean, when's the last time we've seen that? Out of a Husker punter. Oh, yeah. The, the kickoff that we had one or two kickoffs that were like squib kicks that actually were successful squib kicks. 
And what was the rule? We talked about it. Do you know what the rule is? Like if you try to fair catch a kickoff and then he muffed, muffed it, it yeah. and then when he picked it up, they still muff. And then they, they still stopped it right there. Is there a rule on that, Boomer? Did you ever see? My understanding is, I think, if if you muff it, it's just down where you get it. So I don't think you can advance it anymore. Which I think is what happened, because they didn't get it at the 25. Yeah, because they didn't move the ball forward any. It's just, you're down. So just mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't fair catch it and you fall on it right there while you're down. So I think it's the same kind of concept. Well, thank you, uh, Y2 Katie. Next question comes from... Husker Nut, and I'm going to ask this one to, to Mac. It's an offensive question. And he said, Coach Frost said today during his press conference that the QBs need to secure the football like a running back, yet he acknowledged that they can't hit the QBs as much in practice as they used to. So basically like the green jersey thing. He goes, can he really have it both ways? I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, he can have it both ways. You really just, in in today's college football, you, you just don't risk hitting your starting quarterback. And I don't love that either. And I'd really like it if we could maybe take the green jerseys off. But that time has passed. That's fall ball. That or you know, that's that's your training camp session. So if we haven't done it then then these are the lumps we're gonna take. And hopefully we got our lumps out in the Ohio State game and we've all learned ball security high and tight and you three point the ball and, and going forward we have better security. I mean that both quarterbacks did it, so you know. And and Luke was exposed in a couple different ways, you know, catching and then running and then out of the out of the I formation. And even at that, I love the way our quarterbacks did run. We've got to utilize that going forward, and they absolutely have to protect the football. I don't. Who who knows how good our running backs protect their football at this point? They've only had like what twelve carries, well, fourteen carries. Well, I mean, I think that's a question that maybe that goes back to what Husker Nut's talking about there with Frost saying that we expect our guys to hang on the ball like a running back would. You know, it's tough to go live with your quarterbacks, and sometimes you got to get hit to learn how to hold on to the ball. But if we're going to ask our quarterbacks to run like running backs, they need to protect the ball like running back. Well, you know, if McCaffrey's wearing a green jersey in practice and then we turn around and we put him at the eye back, is that doing him a service or is that actually doing him a disservice if he hasn't had the opportunities to practice like the position that he's actually playing at that mm-hmm. moment? I get, I, I'm playing the devil's advocate here, but, you know, I guess maybe Dave, I'll, I'll bring you into this, is that, you know, this is how much contact is too much contact. I want these quarterbacks to run the football. I've, I've been raising my hand saying I want Martinez to have 20 carries. So, But to that point of that question is, are we preparing a quarterback to get 10 or 15 or 20 carries if he's not taking as much contact as, as necessary in practice? This is a complicated question and answer. I guess from my perspective, I've never been a fan of a an offense that's so QB run heavy. So when I see, how many carries do we have between Adrian and Luke? 13 for Martinez and Luke, I want to say at 8 or 9. I'm sure Boomer's probably looking at uh, I think he had 9, if I remember right. So 21, 22 carries yep. out of the quarterback position. Now, not all of those were probably designed runs. Um, you guys always point that out to me. But um, that, that's a lot of carries out of the QB position. And I prefer the running backs to have it anyway. So, I mean, I, I guess now that we have two capable quarterbacks you'd like to think that you'd be willing to be able to practice the way you're going to play at the same time I'd rather have Dietrich Mills have 22 carries opposed to my quarterback position have 22 carries and my quarterback yeah. to have nine or ten um that would be fine by my, for for me personally um I, I think it actually goes back a little bit to to Mac uh, making the point in the scoring explosion segment about 
our quarterbacks feeling the need to push, right? That they have to make a play. And sometimes that leads to extending the ball out or just being a little sloppy because you're trying to do something else. And in both instances, McCaffrey and Martinez were trying to get an extra yard or two when those fumbles happened. I, I feel like it's such a complicated uh, answer and, and question. There. I would say if, if Adrian didn't have the history of fumbling, I would have been less concerned with the fumbles this week, but it, it has been a bit of a trend for him. So it was, I was a little concerned that it, it rose its head again in this first game. Luke, he's too young to know if this is a habit for him, and he did get walloped a couple times, and he went into contact a couple times really yeah. hard where he could have fumbled it, and he tucked it when he trucked that safety. And he held onto it just fine. Did that show you something, Matt? Because you, oh, yeah. you, I mean, you made reference last week. You said I, you I said we don't know. Yeah, like he needs to learn how to go into contact better, something that Taylor Martinez never learned how to do. Yeah. Well, Luke figured it out. And who also fumbled yeah. a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But Luke figured it out. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I thought that's of you, super encouraging. I thought of you the second I saw that play, yeah. and I'm like, that had to show you yeah. something that you I was. You I was seen. really happy with that. You know, Hockey, I would bring this up again because I, I, I guess I have this, like, this issue with, like, the Frank Solich, Jamal Lord era of Nebraska football where we ran the quarterback a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, my recollection of of Tom Osborne's option was a Steve Taylor or a Jerry Godowski. And yeah, they would have a couple of, of big runs, but they would typically pitch the ball and they would might have, I guess, 10, 10 runs plus or minus. And the running backs were the, the guys that, that carried the ball even more. I mean, it was a running quarterback offense, but it wasn't necessarily quarterback run focused. Right. And so I guess when Adrian runs for, Again, how many carries did he have? 13. 13. To Max's point and, and to Boomer's point of just that many more carries, that many more plays, it just feels like inevitable he's going to eventually fumble. If he only ran eight times a game and where he was getting 50, 60 yards a game, I think that's a really good offense that the defense has to account for, but you're not asking to carry 13, 15 times a game. I, I just That's just me, I guess. Well, I think that leads to the next question we have from... Richard Fitzwell, and uh, he talked about, do you think the Huskers were vanilla in their play calling? And if so, was it a product of the game or preparation for upcoming games? Uh, and then he also asked, were there any plays that you hope they will continue to use, build from, add to, etc. as the season progresses? Mac, I guess I'll start with you there. Was there anything you saw that you really liked, you want to see it again, and, and you could see something build from it? To answer the first part of the question, I didn't feel like it was vanilla. I felt like as far as concepts and personnel groupings, I thought it was pretty fresh and pretty original. And I also don't know that we're going to be seeing that this same type of offense going forward in each game. I think this was a game plan pretty specific for Ohio State, especially the way we use Luke. But going forward, I don't hate the two-quarterback concept that we're using. Um, both of them deserve to play. That's what I said before. I think you could see that in that game. They, they both ran hard. They both threw the ball well. They, they both did things well. So um, they both deserve to play. And if we can find ways to get them both out there, we will. I would prefer, though, that the running game becomes more running back focused. There was a couple plays, like there was that rollout play where Austin Allen went to go block and then he slipped right behind and we threw it to him. I'd love to see that more. I love that we got the, the tight end over the middle more. So I guess in that, I'd like to see more of that. The more we can get outside of the pocket with our quarterbacks, 
and put the defense in conflict. And the more that we can keep them honest by throwing over the middle to, to tight end squat in the middle of a zone, mm-hmm. I want to see that. Uh, those have to be going for it. We have to be able to those make those staples. It's not so much the interesting or complicated plays. Our staple plays have to be efficient and often. Yeah. I mean, Jared on Facebook, he wrote us about that. He loves seeing how the tight ends are being used. And, and for me, that was something I think you can build a lot off of. We, you know, hopefully Jack Stoll isn't going to be out for too long. I mean, I, it was more encouraging on the press conference. Yeah. So hopefully, and hopefully he's just, he's well, period. But how we got multiple tight ends involved, some of the unique formations we did. There was one in the second quarter, I think it was, where McCaffrey was a, the quarterback shotgun and he was a, the only back in the backfield. And both tight ends, I think it was Allen and it would have been Stoll, uh, were lined up be- in the gaps between the center and left guard and between the left guard and, and left tackle. And they ran basically just, like, just a quarterback power between them. Just that they had, you had the three left guys on the, on the yeah. line and the two tight ends lead block through there. Now that could lead to something. Mm-hmm. I can see a, a play action that comes out of that because both the tight ends dashed through the line, went and found linebackers so clearly that could become something where they're going deeper and you got to play action out of it right i mean so there were some interesting things did you like the the i formation we slip it to, oh to, to mills I, w- I won't hate seeing more option out of that that was a cool way and you know that's not a uh, that's not a play unfamiliar to mills when he comes from that georgia tech sure. offense being that up back and getting that really that quick trap play there was a couple of times luke ran that so well for the first time i've ever he probably has ever run a true option in a game he did such a good job of charging that defensive end and really making him commit mm-hmm. and then flipping that out so yeah there's more the, more rollouts more, more play action as we're successful running the ball and getting 6 7 yards to carry more play action, more eye formation at times. I love the fullback use too. I mean, there's a nice combination of all this. We're still a shotgun team. We're still a spread team, but there was a lot of neat things. Power. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Richard and Jared for that. Next question is from Vegas Jer, and uh, you can hear him on the, uh, the betcast every week. Uh, uh, his picks always get sent in and everything. He had a question here. I'm going to go to you, Dave, with it. He goes, kind of crazy to say this after a 52 17 loss, but that game gave me the most hypes. The most hope since we beat Michigan State in 2018. What position gave you the most hope? Well, uh, good question, Vegas Jer. Uh, another good week by uh, Vegas Jer. He went two and one, I believe, which I also went two and one. Jer missed the uh, the Minnesota Michigan game. You know, things happen like that, right? You know, I'm gonna, I'll go back to my initial position group I mentioned earlier, which is defensive line. I think from a hope perspective, we're going to compete in the Big Ten West. We got to win in the trenches, and I would say the the defensive line, which was biggest question mark to big red fans, but Big Ten fans, right? I, I listened to the Eyes on Big podcast, for example, and they're like, "Ooh, I don't know about you know Nebraska's D line." I I think by the end of the year, that's going to be perceived as a strength. Boomer, what do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think I was had a lot of hope seeing the tight end position finally come through and start becoming an active part of the game. I mean, how many years has it been since we've heard, oh, we're getting the tight ends and we've got big guys at that slot, and we know it's a big part of, you know, the Frost offense at Central Florida, and we never really saw much out of them. But finally this game, heck, the first play was a pass to a tight end. So I think that actually kind of gives me some hope that that position is going to generate offense this year and starting to see more of that system in place that, that Frost wants to run. And how did you do on the uh, on the betcast last week? 
Oh, I padded the bank account nicely. For entertainment purposes only, of course. <laughs> Boomer hit his money line parlay. Risk aversion there, Dave. Risk aversion. There you go. And Mac? Um, I'm going to keep it on the offensive side. I have a lot of hope for the quarterback position. I loved the way Adrian came out. You know, Luke was an X factor that we hadn't seen play very much, mm-hmm. so we didn't know for sure. But we had seen Adrian as a freshman, and we'd seen him as a sophomore. And what I saw of Adrian was like his freshman year, but even more explosive. His lateral ability was fantastic. His decision to pull or to tuck the ball and run on pass plays that weren't there was fantastic. Um, and then, you know, just a little bit below that was seeing a guy like Ronald Tompkins get out there yeah. and be effective because that's a position that we're going to need. Cause I feel like I, Mills didn't get a lot of opportunities, but I feel like we know what Mills can do. And, it, and the, the times I saw him, he was fine. So seeing Tompkins come in and be a, a really good backup at this point gave me, I'm, I'm excited. Was it hope? Was it hope or excited? Yeah. yeah. But either Honk. one, I'm, I'm both. Honky? How about you? Yeah, it's the O-line. From start to finish, I was completely comfortable with just about everything I saw. I mean, I, I have to get really deep down into some of the critiques on, you know, we had a few snap issues a couple of times, a few high snaps, but I mean, nothing compared to what we had a year ago. Uh, actually, Doc Talk, uh, Rob Zaska on, on Twitter, I thought there was a really good breakdown he had of a play where Ben Hart pulls around and goes upfield and he makes good contact with the guy. But he only does about two thirds of the block. It's it's really good contact, and he does push him there. But he it doesn't finish. It. He doesn't take him down to the ground. And on the exact same play that Ben Hart does that, Jurgens is right next to him, taking a dude six yards deep, and then eventually to the to the ground. And and, and it was cool to kind of read Rob, yeah. you know, how Rob's talking about. Is it. like, look, man, as a lineman, it's about finishing. Well, that's a great experience for Ben Hart there, because as a six nine, three hundred pound behemoth, he didn't have to worry about finishing probably a whole heck of a lot in high school, right? But these dudes, it is more than just Taking him on for a couple of couple of seconds there, but he showed great mobility yeah. there. And again, that, I mean, that's a big dude too. Oh, right at the very beginning, I think the cameras on Martinez in the background, and then all of a sudden Ben Hart like steps into the uh, screen. And it's like holy smokes, that looks like the Big Ten. I'm saying that in the quotation marks. That's a Big Ten lineman. We've got big dudes, and we played a lot of dudes. Yeah. I don't think we're going to play that many game after game after game, but. To settle into probably a yeah. seven or eight man rotation at, at at most, we've got the dudes. Yeah, Jurgens has got the right amount of nasty oh. in him. I mean, he he looks like he's truly enjoying what he's doing out there, and he's boy. I'm telling you what, Frost wasn't wrong about talking to this guy. He's he's got a ton of potential. somebody. Whoever was the first one to see center in him, I said that when he was recruited. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember cool. when he was recruited as a sophomore. We got his commit, and I'm like. Everyone's really excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited about a tight end who's not going to play for four years. But now I am. I'm really excited. About <laughs> I mean, he's been a recruit forever. I feel like I've known against this guy since I was high sc- in high oh, school. Oh, yeah. It's good to see him, too, staying healthy. Uh, knock on wood. But he- he's been healthy. He's gotten bigger. Man, he looks like a center this year. So, yeah, well, offensive line. He great, looks great. like a Big Ten center. Boom. <laughs> Thank you, Vegas Jer. Thank you to all the people that submitted the questions on the mailbag. Uh, you can always send them to us at GoBigRedCast at Gmail, and you can send them via our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter feeds at GoBigRedCast. Dang it, that's smooth. All right, guys, let's get out of here with some parting shots. And as usual, I'll give Honky the floor for five minutes. <laughs> well, I just have a couple of ones. But the, the first one is, and I think, Dave, you said it a little bit earlier, I just have to see a second game. And 
we really struggled on this show. Like, how much balance do we give between, like, there are legitimate things to critique. There's also things where it was just the first game. It was also, hey, we're playing one of the top two or three teams in the country. All of that, you know, there's things to critique along with, boy, there was really good things being seen too. And there are things that you can really build off of. I always mention the realists and the optimists out there. And the realists only see the negative and the optimists only see the positive. And I think what we always try to balance is that there's a bit of both. And there was a bit of both in this game. And if you couldn't see the good signs, then you're just not looking for them. And if you only saw the good signs, I don't know how you would have said you would only see them because it was 52-17. But there was a bit of both, right? So there's there's places to grow, and, and I can see the... I can see where this team can go moving into the, the second week, but this next game is huge. It's important, and to Frost Point, we need to get some wins. The other thing I want to mention is the shout-out to my Theta Zai brothers, uh, Zach and Brother Fudd, who joined Mac and I on Aura Day, and it was a different kind of Aura Day than we've ever had before because it wasn't in August. It wasn't warm out. Mm. There weren't almost anybody downtown at all, but we still hit bars and talked with people and talked football and and that's what it's all about so it was a very good time there and mac i, I hope you get you know, had enjoyed uh, meeting zach for the first time yes yeah, we had a, had a great time with those guys uh, and it was fun to even you know just you know try to create the aura day you know you never know we don't really plan aura day that much so it's you know we kind of leave it up to chance and 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 the husker spirit to to fall upon us and it did you know we had some great talks with those guys and uh, you know just Every game is a blessing. You're not at this point going forward. We've it's been what 330 days since since the Ohio State game, and and it's finally upon us. It's Halloween. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I don't know what the political stance to take on how the the tailgating or the downtown area is going to be, but I hope there's an energy and a vibe that kind of floats to the stadium. I mean, I'm excited to get a little more college football back in Lincoln, Nebraska. They, football belongs in Lincoln, Nebraska. Husker fans, you know, we just eat it up. So enjoy it. You tailgate responsibly. Um, have a good time. You know, don't accept candy from strangers. <laughs> and, you know, from all you naughty nurses out there, I think it's going to be cold. So bundle up. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to miss seeing the little kids at the tunnel walk. There's always uh, little boys and little girls at the tunnel walk that – have a look on their face it was probably a lot like the look I had on my face when I came to games in 83 to see the scoring explosion and um, that's always special to me you know if, if there's any way I don't know where the team I guess stays or where they bus in from obviously I don't think they can do the the unity walk thing I'm looking forward to just taking a picture of a, a well, semi pulling up well how yeah well I will do that but like even like if we can know what the map of, of how they drive in from like the hotel wouldn't it be great just to have fans kind of along the streets, you know, cheering them in or you know, just something to let the team know that even if we can't be in the stadium, that we're we're there, we're present. You're gonna you're gonna know that Husker Nation's out there. I I don't know what's possible there, but uh, maybe we'll hear more as the as we get yeah. closer to it. Well, Mac, I'm gonna take it that that was actually your parting shot as well. You guys now are now doing a combo act. Apparently, it's kind of a piggyback situation, Dave. Yeah, we're a couple. <laughs> but uh let's hear from boomer well normally in in a big 10 season rutgers is my usual uh punching bag for a uh, novelty and just just pure awfulness but uh 
This last week, the first weekend, uh, the Big Ten, very impressive. Uh, just watching a team go out there and lose by 40 to Hydrox and U of all teams. I thought it was they impossible. They managed to put up about 200, yeah, 200 yards of total offense. It's just an incredibly pathetic display of football. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the bottom, number 14, with a bullet, your Maryland Terrapins. So congrats. You'll hold that title for a while, I think. It w- that was a horrible performance. I didn't think it was possible that Northwestern could win by 40 against anyone, let alone a Big Ten opponent. Shocking stuff. You know what, guys? Uh, we have not hit our Wisconsin-Nebraska prediction. So let's do that really quick before we close up shop here. Um, you know what? Let's go in reverse order because I want to save Honky's prediction. So I'll go with Boomer first. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, Mac touched on it earlier. This is a big game for Nebraska. Need to show we're taking that step forward. And, you know, we don't have a lot of details, but there was some news earlier this week about Wisconsin quarterbacks possibly testing positive for COVID. They're going to have to go through their second test. So, we don't even know who's going to be available uh, for Whiskey to play quarterback, so that's going to be in the air. Who knows if we'll even find out about it until game time, who their starter is. Probably not. You know, wouldn't surprise me. So, a lot of questions, but from what I saw, I'm not as scared of Wisconsin as I would be Ohio State. Uh, I think we could pull this off. So, I'm going to say Nebraska wins by six, I think, at home. We'll throw a score out there. We'll say, though... 24 to 18. Let's go with that. 24 18. So Boomer is saying Nebraska is going to beat that spread and take the under. Yeah, Wisconsin will play a slow game, I think. Yep. Mac, your turn. Yeah, boys. I think uh, I think the offense is going to find its groove early and the uh, O line is going to be uh, mashing. And then by the time the second half rolls around, that secondary goes to full strength. Uh, we'll, we'll shut them down. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about this so he's confident as you can feel against wisconsin and they always I mean, wisconsin will take the best teams into the fourth quarter so with that being said I, I figure we'll beat them by about uh 17 walking away so uh 42 to 28 i don't know if that's 17 i don't do math <laughs> <laughs> that was not a part of your podcast contract Mac. It's okay. that's why i'm not on the betcast ladies and gentlemen that's right. Well, um, I'll jump in here quick before I hand it, hand it off to Honk. Um, you know, when I was thinking about this on Saturday night after watching the game live, I was like, I'm going to take Wisconsin to win this game. I just had did not see enough to actually pick Nebraska to win a game of that nature versus a top 10 team. Um, after re-watching the game and knowing that it seems quite possible that Wisconsin is down a quarterback or two. Um, I, I'm going to be bullish and say Nebraska 30, Wisconsin 27. Honky, take it away. Yeah, there's a lot of strange kind of uh, things going on in this. I mean, we have a, a team that we've played that we've lost seven straight times to. We're double-digit dogs in this one. And yet, it, to me, it feels like it's a must-win in some ways. That's the importance of this. Uh, we showed a year ago that we could put up a lot of rushing yards on them. Uh, that also means that defense has had a year to, to stew on that. And I'm sure Wisconsin's defense is going to be very ready to play us, uh, you know, regardless of who the QB is that's, that's going out for him. But 
I like what I saw last week with the physicality. Um, I'm going to go Nebraska 3, Wisconsin 2. I don't care. Win by a point. That's all we need. So the Huskers will get the win. Whatever we have to do, this is one of those ones. We've got to start getting that momentum that Frost talked about. And, uh, and let's get it, boys. All right, guys. Uh, great conversation today. Really enjoyed it. Hopefully the listeners did as well. Let's call that a Go Big Red Cat. Go Big Red! Eat whiskey.